Nobody likes to do paperwork. It's tedious, monotonous, and sometimes takes forever to complete. Anyone who's anyone in aviation will tell you paperwork means everything, especially when it's time for an audit. Everyone who's had done it hates their life for it and especially hates those who can't do it right. From work history to flights, everything rides on paperwork. This is shit ain't done until the paperwork's done. All right, everybody, we got a very special guest here today. She is a 10-year veteran of the United States Marine Corps. She is a logs and records chief. She is a two-times graduate while she was in the Marines, working on a third one now. She's had multiple awards for being a logs and records chief and her quality of work as a logs chief. Some of them are from the Chief of Naval Air Forces. And she's also received the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal for such. She is a Staff NCO of Marines. Please welcome Jasmine. Hey. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm no really problem. excited. Thank you welcome, for joining welcome, us. Welcome, Jasmine. I'm really excited. Um, I think a show like this should have been started a really long time ago because it's entertaining. <laughs> well, you know, it, it takes a little bit for the hate to uh, simmer and pop the lid before we start. That is true. You almost have to uh, start talking for a while just to uh, get the hate out. So you, it's not just one hate, hate filled session. <laughs> well, I know, right? <laughs> it's just, just so easy so to much, do. Though. <laughs> I know. It brings yeah. that rage out in you. So Jasmine, <laughs> uh, Tell us uh, uh, real quick, uh, where are you from? Okay, so uh, I'm from the Dominican Republic. I was actually born there. I didn't come to the U.S. until I was about five or six. Um, I grew up in the Bronx, New York. Uh, my grandma raised me, you know, went to public schools, high school. I was actually in ROTC in high school, so that's kind of what drew me to the military in a sense. I was never originally going to join the Marine Corps, going to join the Air Force, but that recruiter was never there. I don't understand. Anyway, so you know how the Marine Corps works. They just kind of snatched me up and I said, sure, I'll do it. So um, I dropped out of college and I told my grandma, I'm like, hey, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. And she was like, well, as long as you have a plan, that's all that matters. So I joined the Marine Corps in 2010 and it's been a wild ride ever since. Um, like he did mention, uh, I did resume my studies. College was always really important to me. I guess I was just tired of being in New York and I wanted to do something a little bit different. So yeah, you said you're originally joining the Air Force, and I can honestly say, like, for women to join the service in general, that sounds like a pretty big thing. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. you, you look at the demographic of women that are in the service, that's pre a pretty small margin. And then you, among others, even more so, not only are you going to join the service, I'm going to join the hardest service, aka the U.S. Marine Corps. And I think right now there's what? eight percent of you total in the marine corps that are yeah, just about yeah that actually seems like a, a pretty large number considering i mean now now i've never active duty so take take my input with a grain of salt but that sounds like a, a large number for the marines uh to have that percentage of women in maybe 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 it's small i don't know you know what i mean but when you compare it to say navy or air air force that's probably quite a small number Oh, but, oh, just, but yes. if you just but if you just separate the Marines by themselves, that seems like a relatively large number. Over the years, yes, it definitely has increased. Um, I remember just being the only female at one point to having multiple females in the squadron. So um, it, it definitely has expanded over the years. Um, a lot has changed. Um, and I think that just the popularity of, you know, that whole um, women can do anything mentality that's kind of been boosting through the years has motivated other women to you know, do the baddest job around pretty much. Sure. And, and, and like everybody, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of women out there who are hard chargers and super driven and, and they need a challenge to thrive. Right. So the mm -hmm. other branches might not be able that's, to give them that kind of, of, that kind of challenge where like, no, 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 I got to do this because it's the hardest thing I can do. And that's kind of what, that was kind of my thought process too, at the beginning, you know? Um, and that's kind of how he got my attention. He's like, you know, if you're going to join it, you might as well join the toughest one and the best looking one, you know? And I was like, you know what? You're right. I don't step down from a challenge. And I, I took the opportunity and it paid off. You know, I'm really happy with my decisions. Very nice. That's, that's awesome. So I heard you say before you joined or before you started looking into a military career, you were already in college and you had dropped out of college to join the military. So 
what college were you going for and what what was your uh, degree you were going for? I mean, completely separate from the degrees you have now. And we can expound on because I'm not sure what the degrees you are you have now or what you're still going for. But what, what was your initial path in life before joining the military? Okay, so um, I was going to John Jay College of Criminal Justice in um, Manhattan, New York. And I was trying to go for like kind of like a forensic science degree. Uh, I really like the forensics field and criminal justice and all of that as a whole. But I got kind of a little bored of the monotonous lifestyle. You know, I was also working full time on um, a retail job in Manhattan, New York, and that, oh it was getting exhausting. Yeah, it was exhausting. Um, I really do like the city life, but it was just taking a toll on me, you know, and New York is one of those places where you kind of just work, school, repeat, you know, and I was, I want to say almost done with my first year and I just couldn't do it anymore. So I decided to kind of just drop out, but leading on to like the degrees that I did pursue after I was in, I kind of changed it up a little bit. I drew away from the forensics field. Uh, I had some, I don't want to say traumatic in a sense experience, but uh, when my brother passed away after all that stuff, having to identify his body, if you will, and I'm sorry to bring down the mood a little bit, but um, that kind of like changed my perspective on forensics, you know, like I, I kind of don't want to do that because now it's personal, you know, it's personal and, and seeing the same that kind of sites every day as a for a living man, I can I can, you know, you can see in even the current media and people who are in that field. And I have a cousin, he was in the army and he, he was in, he is a forensics guy now. And, you know, he is he is um, a different different person now just from the right. things he's had to see and deal with, you know especially when they tie on like or tie back to your own experiences you know i don't want to have to go to work and think about that every single day so yeah i completely understand i decided to just change the focus um so my first degree was just an associates in science you know just like the basic courses here and there and then when i went for my bachelor's degree i decided to get it in criminal justice as you know, just general. Now that I'm working on my master's, uh, I decided to focus in on juvenile delinquency. And hopefully, I don't want to say practice law, but I do want to be some kind of counsel for juvenile delinquents, you know, just to be able to help somebody. I'm not trying to do it for the job, like for the job as a whole or the money. I just want to be able to make a difference, I guess, in kids' lives because my brother was young and, and he was in and out of the system and he had, you know, like all of these drug issues. So, um, one person being changed, I feel like, does make a huge difference. Um, right. Yeah, that's, 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 it's interesting because before I got into the aviation realm, that was my goal, too, was to go through that. I was interested in doing youth counseling. Again, if you could nix the problem before it becomes a problem, I guess, so to speak. Right. You know, and help them help a, help a kid out who's kind of going down the wrong path and steer them over in the right direction. And, you know, before they, be, you know, there might be in juvenile hall, right? But that's better than the state pen. Exactly, exactly. And I feel like the the vision um, as a whole right now, as I'm working on writing my thesis for degree, it's just like everyone's focusing on these kids just being part of a system and they just get tossed back out. Like you can't expect somebody to go through all of these issues and get tossed back out and then not expect them to come back. You have to prepare them. I feel like all these kids just need somebody in their corner, you know? Yeah, they do. Because unfortunately, uh, the state's looking at it as boy, if we have you in here, we get more federal funding, right? So it just turns into a numbers game rather than let's, exactly. not, fix the, let's not fix the problem. Let's just, how do we, how do we get a returning customer, so to speak? Yeah. Totally. Almost like in the yeah. pharmaceutical, almost like in the pharmaceutical realm, right? Hey, here's all these yep. pills that are to fix your thing, but they also cause other problems because we don't actually want to cure you because then we get less money. So we got to get you returning somehow. Yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate because the, the the system's rigged against them from the start. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, Jasmine, uh, as far as wanting to make a difference and being there in that person's corner. And what also drove you to be a Marine, I feel that that's like a common denominator to anyone who wants to A, join the service and then B, join or actually, or excuse me, become a Marine is they, they have that inner drive to just want to make a difference. And, and I do. I do. I always tell my Marines, you know, like I've never been that type of staff and CO or leader that just has that hostile mentality all the time where you think that, you know, like chewing somebody's ass or 
belittling them or just downright humiliating them makes them a better person. Like that's not the type of person that I am. That's not the type of leader that I am. I just want to be sure that these kids are, you know, allowed the opportunity to succeed are giving the tools that they need to succeed. And, and I feel like that makes a much better work environment as a whole. Agreed. So with that, like, so when you have young, young, uh, what, 18 year olds, I guess, coming in, under yes. your uh, under your jurisdiction you know they some of them are kind of don't really know what to do and this was their option and yes. do you you know do you feel like sometimes the uh, the military doesn't there's all these programs right that can help but it's not really advertised that's what that well for them to help them out so are you or so do you help them get on like hey i'm having this problem well there is this plan over here that can assist you in getting you you know better financial or whatever else but that wasn't really advertised to them by big military, so to speak. Right. Is that, is that a common thing? Oh yes. Oh yes. And it hasn't changed at all in the last 10 years. You know, they always preach about having all of these opportunities and all these services. And it's just like, yeah, you tell them that they're there, but do you really afford them the opportunity to take advantage of them? You know, like, no, that that's also something that falls on our lap. Like we have to make the time, we have to make the decisions for them. Like, Hey, you need to do this because a lot of them, they just come to us with no actual life experience you know like they they live with their mom till up until they left they're 18 what life experience do they have i just exactly. got out of high school and i played sports or i did whatever and now i got somebody yelling at me at boot camp <laughs> you know? exactly and i can attest to this as far as programs you know like they preach about it but they're never really advertised or they're not really shown how to do it like there's a program right now in the service for you to get a journeyman cert in any trade any trade now picture that a journeyman in certain things can mean a big wad of cash. Are you talking? Are you talking about the U.S. MAP program? Yeah, exactly. So I, I have two of those already, and I always preach it to everybody. I completely agree with you. That's a, it's an amazing tool that not everybody knows about. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, if they'll get you your journeyman's license, yeah, that puts you so far ahead, so far ahead, and it's so easy to get. It's so easy. All you got, all you got to do is they either mail you a logbook or they or they give you like a printout for you to fill out hours, and it's that simple. Like I didn't even know about that program until I was already ten years in. So yes, I started my first one when actually when I got to to where I met you at Scarface. That's when I started my first one. And, you know, because depending on like the job that you have, you know how different MOSs, they break off into um, multiple little branches or whatever. And depending on however many MOSs you accumulate over your career, that's how many times you can actually get one of those certificates or whatever. Yes. So, so what what are your certificates in for the, I mean, are you, are you consider a journey a journeyman or journey journey woman, however you want to say it. But do you have a couple of journeyman certificates? I do. I do. Um, what so are I completed in? the first. So the first one is just like a regular admin computer clerk, you know, because of my job. Sure. And that took about two thousand hours to complete. You can complete that in like a six to eight months, honestly. Like you, all you have to do is just show up to work because it's like the job that you do every single day. Oh, okay, so those hour, those actually, those active duty hours count towards it. That's good. Exactly, oh, yeah. and that's the easy part. Um, all you have to do is just get those signatures, and then every six months sent in um, a, a signed paper and it'll they'll update your hours. And then once you complete those 2000 hours, they'll mail you an actual department of labor certificate that says that you are qualified in that specific field. See that right there is some inspirational stuff. If there's any listeners out there who's in the service and you're still active, get on those programs and get that stuff done because that stuff will mean a lot. Oh, that counts yeah. towards work experience when you get out and you're trying to look for another job. Yeah. I mean, hands hands down, you're gonna be you're gonna be top of the top of the litter, you know. Yeah. And Jasmine yeah. here's living proof of that, because look, two apprenticeships, I'm sorry, two journeymen, two degrees. And you got the experience and seem yes. to be a master's. Yeah. So you're going to have all the degrees plus the OJT. And I'm not, yeah. And I'm not even done with like my third enlistment yet. So it's possible. Um, you wow. just have to be able to go after it, you know? Um, and then like that second one that I was just telling you about, uh, that one is computer analyst. So that one took about 2,500 hours is a little bit more complicated, but it's the same concept. You know, if you have that MOS, all you have to do is just show up to work um, log your hours and then send in your certification like every six months until you complete it and they'll mail you another cert in the mail. Yeah. MVP, that's more or less how I got my AMP license. Like, uh, actually, sorry, my AMP journeyman, you know, I mean, look at me, I, I work on airplanes. So I said, okay, let's start with the power plant one. That was about 3000 hours. And then yeah. start with my airframe. That was another 2,500 hours because I completed the first one. And it was just mm -hmm. a simple log your hours. And if you're deployed, 
even faster. You'll crunch 2,000 hours in a flash because you're working seven, seven days a week, yeah. uh, 18, 20 hours a day. Come on now, you know? And it's just another indication for all of you guys who are listening, who are still active. Like, look how easy this stuff is. And it's literally just writing things on a piece of paper, which you already do. I mean, yeah, you're, you're, doing, you're doing the actual job every day so you might as well just so might as well get something out of it exactly. might as well get something out of it at the same time if you can kill two birds with one stone i mean absolutely i mean look at jasmine she's killed what two germs and soon to be three degrees i mean she she took some bird shot in the, in the 12 gauge and knocked them out of the sky you know right <laughs> right so going, going a little bit about the paperwork since we're all about filling it there's this moniker in the aviation world and i'm sure this is for any type of job where you got to do work on something if you don't have the work order or in the aviation's case, the, the maintenance action form, there's no work. You, you know no, what I'm saying? No way. No way. It's got to be paper to start and it's got to be paper to finish. Absolutely. So like a lot of times MVP, you can attest to this where people get told to do a job like, Hey, I need you to fix this or I need you to service that. I'm like, well, where's my work order? Right. Where's my work order? I don't you do. You sound don't. exactly like me. Every time someone comes in they're like, Oh, I need to do this. And the right thing, to do would be oh but did you cut a math that's it yeah cut a math yeah and so like in the civilian world we we just we don't call them math we call them work orders but all 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 the same thing different terminology exactly. but same thing hey i i got this checklist coming tonight i need two mains tires changed and i got the you know i need the engine oil service all right shoot me the work <laughs> order in the email and i'll get after it you know what i mean yeah, but you yeah, don't start they, anything until you have that in hand. And the reason exactly. why is because, like, if you don't have one and you do touch whatever you were supposed to touch, and something breaks, that's your ass. There's nothing justifying you to say that you were supposed to do it in the first place. Yep. And and exactly. so let's say you're working on right. So like a uh, corporate jet side, if you're working on something and you find another discrepancy while you're working on the existing work order and that discrepancy is not listed on there, you still have to call yeah, control another one and say, "Hey, yeah. I found this other problem. Do you want me?" To work this, yes or no? Yes, great. Okay, uh, I need you to cut me a, a, a new work a new work order or add it to the existing. Either way, they still have to email you or give you another set of, of papers with that yeah. attached or, to it. Because then that's how you also bill your time and whatever else when you're filling out your uh, charging and labor changes. And to I don't know how many too. times we encountered that, especially during phase maintenance, you know, like we'll, we'll go up there and like they're trying to do a serialization or something. And like some components aren't in the position where they're supposed to be. And the right thing to do would be like, yeah, you got to cut a work order, like remove them and swap them around and then reinstall them. The reason why the numbers aren't where they at is because we've canned it from something else to make another aircraft And somebody fly. didn't fill out the paperwork saying the can was done. Exactly. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, but um, I mean, this is where kind of like the shady part comes into place. Like if you're removing like, you know, like a rotor head or something that has like a million cards to it because the piece is so big, you're not going to cut, you know, 10, 20 work orders to make this happen. And in my experience, there were, that's where the favors kind of take place. You know, I'd be like, Hey, I'll manually move these for you. And it never happened. Yeah. Well, that kind of goes in, <laughs> but with something as major as that, where there's like one big major assembly and there's a lot of like little sub assemblies and all of them are all serialized you know the, the usual cheat is to at least capture the big major assembly and then all of the little ones follow with it provided yeah. that that nothing gets removed from it yeah and that's kind of how your yours and i's uh work relationship kind of started you would come in there and you'd ask me like hey um what can i do to fix this and and I'm like, hey, well, this is what I can do for you. <laughs> well, a, a little backstory on that, guys, or all the guys, li people listening, is when an aircraft goes into a major inspection, say an overhaul or a phase, there everything has to document properly, especially because it, it hasn't flown or done stuff in so long. So when you get the aircraft, however beat up or messed up it's been, and then you go do these major inspections and then nothing matches, it falls on you now because you're the last one to to screen the books yeah. and then when you kick it back out and they're like, well, this is all messed up uh, when they do an audit or, or something to that effect. And then now it's your ass. They're like, uh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And the audits were where they get you. And like in the, in the civilian side of things, you get audited and they're like, Hey, this doesn't match. And you're like, um, stand by. <laughs> we'll <laughs> make it match. Let me just do some investigation <laughs> for you. I'll have an answer for you real quick. Just stand by. And that's what, yeah, that, that, and that's when we run over to people like Jasmine help <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and then that's, i'll move a couple things around like surprise it matches now yeah 
Vidi Vidi Vici, poof. <laughs> See, it's all it's all good. <laughs> yeah. We turn it to yeah, our exactly. own episode of CSI, you know, like CSI logs and records. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we I, I guess we need to fix our paperwork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jasmine, uh, I'm, I thank you for being such a champ when that kind of problem comes to, across your desk. Because you can totally just say like, "Well, it's your problem. You fix it. it you made the mess. You you, f- yeah, you mess you, with it. You made your bed. Sleep you know, in it." But uh, like, I understand it. Like, I, I because I've been a maintenance controller as well. Like, I've been on both sides of the field. You know, like I know that you have to get the maintenance and the proper work. But I also know that. Um, it's a lot, you know, like sure. on the logs and records side, like, you know, let's say like the, like a Huey or whatever kind of aircraft, you know, those log books, they have over 200 cards in there. It's a lot of work. So if I can just do something and I don't want to say that it's illegal to do it, you know, there's nowhere that you can't do it, but the proper way would be to cut a work order. If I can minimize that amount of work to make it easier on someone, then I'm going to do that. You know? Right, because as we know in aviation, uh, a lot of the processes, be it military or private sector, you're almost, you're almost. There's so many regulations or red tape or processes to follow that they're not really outlined that well that you can, your hands are almost tied to get the job done. So you, you just have to do what you have to do to make it work. Because if you actually followed everything to the T, per se, like in this instance that we're talking about with you know the Hueys and stuff, I mean, uh, an inspection would take months. Rather than exactly, rather than exactly. three days, you you know what I mean? Exactly. You never fly. You, well, you'd never fly. You'd never fly. Right, and you always hear like, "I don't care how it's done, just just get it done." And like, say no more. And I guess the saving grace in this whole situation would be like, yeah, you have these publications to tell you what to do, but because so many people interpret them so differently, right. that's, that's kind of what you can fall back on. Like, well, this is how I interpret it. Yep. Whatever yeah, they're they're says. written with a lot of gray area in them, so you can say, well. I interpreted it this way. Well, I think exactly. what they, and then the other person goes, yeah, but I think what they mean is that you think you don't know. You just, yeah. that's what, that's what, how you're interpreting it. So I'm not wrong, exactly. but I just, I just didn't do it how you would have done it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And this goes into, uh, to that college education, Jasmine, where like certain individuals, they don't read, uh, spoken or, or written words quite the right way. Like some mm-hmm. people interpret shall as that's good to know. Whereas shall yes. is, you will do you this. You have to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They, yes. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Six. They, they say shall is, eh, it, if you can do it, great. But if you don't have the time, eh, whatever. It's, it's just like an info note. Yeah. It's good to know information. But, but like you yeah. said, on the other aspect, shall is, is, is the Bible. Do it or I'll smite thee. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Kadoosh. <laughs> and, and how many how many examples be, between the both of you or everyone listening where you have those individuals where, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll deviate from the process this one time, air quoting, this one time. And then you get away with it once and then you run to that situation again and then it just turns into this cyclic effect where... Yeah, so the process turns into the new how you deviated before to make it happen. The process... Yes ultimately oh turns gosh. into and, the deviation. Yeah. And that's kind of the double-edged sword for me, you know, because the fact that they knew that I was able to do that, everyone expects it's for me to do it every single time. And I'm just like, no, this is not that big of a component. I think we can cut a few masks and get it, you know, get it done yeah. properly. We, we, we can do it the right way. Yeah. But that's right. Yes. You, you, de- you deviate one time. Let's say you're in a deployed setting, right? And you got to get that bird off the ground to support some some troops on the ground and you say, yeah, I, I did what I had to do in that instance because there was a greater need for that bird to be out there. But if you're exactly. at the home base, if you're at the home base and you know, you're just down in San Diego or whatever, you're like, ah, you, you can cut the maps. We, we're not in that big of a rush. You yes. Know? It's, exactly. a, it's a training, it's a training flight. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Which, which we have done, <laughs> which we have done. Yeah. And it, it blows my mind. Like, Especially in your case, Jasmine, we're like, hey, Jasmine, and just kind of slide it, slide it across your desk all, all uh, smoothly. Like, mm-hmm. With a $20 take- bill pin- pinned to it. I wish, <laughs> you know what? I wish they would have paid me. They would just come in there and then they'll try to like small talk. And I'm like, what do you want? What do you want this time? Like, what'd you guys mess up? Just slide that 20 in there. It's like, no questions asked. Like, okay, whatever you say. <laughs> That's when you slide it back and say, make that, a, make that two into a five and then we'll talk. <laughs> right or you just slide it back it's like i don't I, I don't accept bribes and i just keep on feeding more penny more money until like i saw nothing <laughs> i'm gonna start charging every time they come in there, right? twenty dollars 
And you should, especially. And you know what, though? They'll pay because it's going to save their ass in the long run. Exactly. Especially when it comes time for an audit. Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. I can't even tell you. That's when all the favors come out. Yep. Oh, this is when we're like, like, everyone hide everything under the rug. Take this out of here. It didn't exist. Yep. Never happened. Start telling all those people (laughs) with big mouths to call out of work or stuff like that. (laughs) Yep. Everybody turns into a magician. Now you see it. Now you don't. (laughs) (laughs) so i'm I'm gonna go a little uh dovetail off a little so there uh during the marine boot camp for instance right they have these two events that are failable events and it's literally just see who can walk in a straight line better they call this Uh, they call this initial drill and final drill right this is where the drill instructors get graded for their ability to teach you the the how to walk the stupid recruit, you know, like how to be a Marine and walk in a straight line. So since they're being graded for you being able to march and drill, they take all the ones who suck at walking in a straight line and say like, oh, so-and-so is, uh, has a doctor's appointment or so-and-so is, has a dentist appointment or he's too sick to come to come to drill, stuff like that. Just hi- getting you out of sight, out of mind, just so that they can pass. We do that for audits too. <laughs> oh, this guy's a talker and he doesn't know how to do his shit. So we're just going to put him on night crew for today. <laughs> <laughs> or like MVP, like uh, remember like our episode prior where we have the secret stash, right? The stuff that you're not supposed to have. Oh, so, yeah, like, yeah. PB. So, we'll, so we'll put him on a big box. Yeah. PB. So we'll put him on the box or put him in the shelter and then stuff it in someone's storage unit for like the next two weeks, just so people don't find it. Get out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So they never find up, it. Empty out your toolboxes and your coveralls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the part stork it it finally showed up after how many some months of us waiting for it. <laughs> I'm just really good at fod walks. We have a terrible fod problem here, but I I'm really good at doing fod walks. But, you know, yeah, I, look I, at me. I, I found all up. this. Do I pass? <laughs> <laughs> so who does so so in the military? Do you have your own? Is it QA who does your audits or is there a, another entity? So you have multiple level audits, you know, like you'll have the O level, which is us with the helicopters and everything. So you have in-house audits, which are done by QA. And then the next level will be the I level audit where the mouse would come and inspect the squadron. And then you have um, your third level audit, which is like the wing level. They'll come and look at your stuff. And then you actually have like the freaking CNAF people and, you know, um, naval aviation they'll come in and they're like the big wigs of everything so yeah you have multiple levels and usually we don't make a big deal about it until we get to like that third or fourth level of inspection and those are the ones that actually matter so so when they come in on the documentation side of things what are those third and fourth level um i guess if you could just give a brief description of what what each each level is since yeah you're not too concerned with the first two levels with three and four like oh man we got to start getting our ducks in a row here. Could you just explain those a little bit and kind of what they're looking, what the audit groups are looking for and what you have to, as a documentation specialist, make sure is correct. The ones that we do in-house, um, they're, those are kind of just like check in the box type of inspections. Cause you're supposed to, you know, conduct these inspections every so often. Um, like let's say like every quarter or something, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really look at anything. I just be like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> the second level one, those are the ones they'll come like, yeah, they'll try it and be like the hard chargers and they'll come and like tear up your program and all of these things. And, but in a sense, they're just trying to find things wrong. So that way you can fix them. So when that third level comes around, you know, your, your stuff is in place. But um, I guess the reality of it all is that they just want to see that you have a, a specific process in place, you know, like that you're doing everything the way it's supposed to do or to be done, excuse me. And the one thing where kind of like the topic now at hand is the paperwork, you know, they want to make sure that everything is filled out properly. They want to make sure that things that are considered safe for flight are, are filed and, and signed off correctly. And, and that's kind of what everything falls on is the paperwork and the third and fourth level. As long as you have a process in place and, and your paperwork looks legit, that's really all they focus on. So to go a little bit about that uh, MVP for the first and second level, it's kind of like just like your big brother poking at you, like just telling you, you, you messed up. Hey, uh, you forgot to take out the trash because dad told yeah. you to and stuff like that. Whereas the third and fourth level, these things could shut you down. They'll shut you down. They'll fire people. They'll cost you your, your, your career, your job, whatever the case may be. So, and all it takes is maybe three failures in certain areas and your, and your whole maintenance program's fucked. Well, six, how many times did they shut us down while you and I were over like at our last unit together? Like they shut us down a couple of times. Oh, really? So, so 
like no flights. I mean, do they say no flights? No, no they maintenance? grounded it. They yeah. grounded oh, wow. it. Yeah. And so how long were you grounded for until you could, I mean, I guess until you could prove your about two, let's say like about two weeks or so, like the first time they'll be like, you know, like these were the trends that we saw. Um, that's improper maintenance or this is a safety hazard. I'm going to shut you guys down and then we'll be back at this time um, to reinspect you. What were the, if, 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 if you can elaborate, what were the issues that got you shut down? I, I'm just curious to know if it's the same things like I've seen in the civilian side. So anything from like overflown components or, or like, you know, like an item was installed and we thought it had this amount of hours on it and it wasn't, um, it was actually more hours than we thought. Could you prove that against the parts card when you received it out of the uh, overhaul facility? Yes. And that's the problem. A lot of times we don't receive cards that come with things. So we kind of just have to go off of the last whatever, you know, um, but if there's no history or if it wasn't documented properly, we can't track or account for those hours, you know? So when we go down that rabbit hole, they find those additional hours and now the components overflown, you know? So like in the civilian side, right? If I get a part, say I'm, you know, I was an AOG or aircraft on ground mechanic for a few years and I traveled, you know, all over the Canada, US, Mexico and the Caribbean uh, chasing these private jets. But if I received a part, right? Um, home base sent a part out for this jet and I open the box and it doesn't have a card with it. I just close the box up, tape it and reset and send it back. And I call control and say, Hey, that part didn't, had no parts card. I, I'm, I can't install it. And that's the problem. That's where we differ from that. Like you guys have the ability to do that. But because of us, we're on like a specific timeline for things. And we want to fly these planes because we want to get these hours. Sure. We receive these parts and they're on the plane before I even get the electronic lock set for it. Like, oh yeah. That's so- how quick things move. And it's, it's a little bit, um, uncomfortable on my end because i have to move heaven and earth just to find this documentation because they want to install it you know right and i can attest and i can attest to that too because from the maintenance control side of things i remember it's like we're waiting 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 for all these parts to show up and as soon as we get it like it's kind of like christmas oh we got it cool put it in right and then either myself or someone with any real common sense was like well wait a minute where's the green tag where's the card where's the the hit the, the part history to this and then they'll just wave it off like oh it's cool documentation or logs and records can figure it out like no 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 no. wait a minute <laughs> yeah that's unfortunate because i've seen that i've seen that as well where the part gets installed and you're like well what about the paperwork for it did you verify the actual card match the component because i've seen a hundred times over that the card that came with the component had the wrong serial number to it. Exactly. And as much as I love doing favors, don't get me wrong, I have had to put my foot down several times, especially if it's an important mission or an important flight that's going to carry some important individuals. Well, yeah, you know? because if that's if that stuff's found wrong or there's an, an accident and that p- component was found to be failure, you're going to get investigated exactly. and they're going to figure out that, well, hold on, this parts tag didn't even match this part. Why did you install it? And, and it's your ass. That's another thing. So in case, like, let's say I've had several mishap investigations conducted. And the first thing that they do is they'll come to my office and they'll confiscate my logbooks before I can even look at them. So whatever yeah. it was done, they're going to take it as is, you know, like in, in during the investigation, let's say like if they're going to remove certain parts that were like damaged or whatever the case is, like they'll grab whoever the staff and CEO is, or like the most experienced person in that shop. And they'll personally walk you to the books and they'll stand over you like a hawk to make sure that you're not altering or falsifying any information. Falsifying documents, yep. Yeah. Yeah, because as, as anybody who's listening to this podcast who's in aviation knows, the paperwork is 20% of the aviation maintenance is the actual physical work. The other 80% yeah. is documentation because I know at least on the private side, like for certain customers, we had to fill out things in triplicates and then we had to send them in to a return to service department who validated all of our parts cards, all our work order, our write-ups in the logbook. They had to look them over and verify that those were correct. And then you would get a phone call saying, hey, uh, your, your return to service is cleared. Put the books in the aircraft, lock it up. And uh, put." And they had stickers that we would put over the doors, like over the latches. And uh-huh. if you peeled them off, it would say void. So, And then that way the air crew came out the next day, they would, look, they would have a, an email from control and saying there would be this number on the door of this sticker because there was maintenance. And that process last night. makes a lot more sense, you know, like yeah, like the plane would be spinning and I'm literally walking books out as they're about to leave. Well, six, that sounds pretty familiar, huh? Yeah. Oh, hey, by the way, stuff this book into the plane, like it's about to leave. Uh, well, run! You better run. <laughs> yeah, it's start. They're ready to like they just pulled chocks. 
<laughs> but then that breaks exactly. the it breaks the safe for flight if I do that. Whatever, do it. I'm like, okay, now we're now we're getting into the yeah. shady of things, you know? Right. But it's funny how it's funny how leadership will in those instances because it makes them look good and it saves their their backside. That's that's the time. So they'll say, no, no, it's cool, it's cool, just do it. And then then let's say you try to do that next time, but without their input, and they're like they throw the book at you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who and directed you to do that? Yeah, and you're like, come hypocrisy. on, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, and, it's I, and I feel a crazy. lot of that hypocrisy comes from both the control side and QA. Crazy enough, QA would do this, you know? And, uh, and, and that so, is wild that QA would do, or at least a real QA, which is what the military has. Well, that they you know, like, that. like all things given, especially in the civilian side, you get enough pressure. They'll just be like, whatever, just get it, just get it through and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it when it gets back. Kind of thing. Yeah, because on the civilian side, it's all money. It's all money driven. So if it's a high, like in the corporate jet side, right? It if that plane's sitting on the ground, it's not making money. So it's losing money just sitting there. So in some instances, like hey, we have a customer flying tomorrow, and that is a they call them revenue flights, and that is a massive revenue flight, and we will not be missing that flight. So yeah. you know, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sprinkle some fairy dust over it, and it's gonna go, and you're gonna you're gonna accept it. And that's where we're at. And you're like, uh, okay. And, and I've had that said to me several times, you know, like, hey, this is happening. I make it happen. And these are situations where I've had to create cards and create locks and create like all this electronic stuff and, and just hand jam this information so that there is a piece of a document in place. Just, just something to cover everybody in the event. Something does go down. And uh, exactly. Yeah, it's wild. It's crazy. It's crazy how it's 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 unfortunate to admit how often that happens. It's not for those li- out there listening. This isn't like once a year incident. This might be like once a week. <laughs> This is, yeah, it's the yeah. norm, you know. Um, and I think um, the the funny thing about all of this is like we've gotten so good at it that it's just yeah, 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 I'll take care of it, no big deal. Yeah, it goes back to the the deviation becomes the process. Yeah, like I don't know our our process instead of being one straight line, it looks like an old maple tree. You know, it looks <laughs> like a plate. It looks like a plate of spaghetti. We don't know. It goes in all directions. Putting putting sugar in the spaghetti. But you know? It works. It looks like a fault isolation manual. Do you have the parts card? No. And then over here, okay, just write up something that looks like a parts card. And then, yes, okay, is the serial number match? No. And then it goes, you know what I mean? That's how it looks. It's all, And that's supposed to be your process instead of being a straight like line. The, like those phase, those phase serializations, all we do is like everything that doesn't match is highlighted. Like, hey, that's not there. That's not there. That's in the wrong place. And then by the end, it's just like a Christmas tree, you know? <laughs> which yeah. I've done. Which I have done. My, I, I know you have. You've done it to me several times. That's, well, that's when you have to use those uh, f- forensics investigative skills and you have to use that red string and you're drawing lines, you know, from part to Listen, part. And it doesn't even to- stop that paperwork. <laughs> Sometimes I just go out there and I'll be like, you know what? I'll do it myself and I'll get a cranial and I'll hop on there. Like, show me the serial number. Just show Wait, it to me. <laughs> which which I've seen you done, which is probably like w- well above and beyond what most logs and records it people is. would do. Like, uh, I'll tell you, everybody, like most logs and records people will never leave their desk. Like they're chained to it. It's like they're bound to it. Like it's some kind of hell sentence or something. And, but it's they a ball and chain. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. And you're like, and they're like, hey, I need this thing. You're like, okay, well, I'm a little busy right now. Um, I'll get to it in like 30 minutes. But if you want, you can just go look at it right now and you can get the information. You know, and then, oh, no, I can't. If I, if I walk out, if I leave the desk, I, I, I implode, you know? And with experience though, you, you come to determine like what's important and what's not, you know, if I'm like busy doing something, I'm not going to just tell them no, because I know that it's important. I know like, Hey, they're trying to get this plane out to put it on the schedule or something like, okay, fine. I'll go out there and I'll look at it. Right. You're a team player. You, you, you're also helping get the mission done. Exactly. And like, all like, all they need really is just the CDI standing next to me. Like I can look at the part myself, you know, like give me the scope. I'll go up there. And, and this is, and this is with stuff that's electronic, you know, like stuff that's you can easily read. Now imagine when it's paper and it actually has to rely on someone's handwriting. That's when things get real out of control. Oh, and you guys suck at that. That penmanship is horrible. Oh my God. <laughs> I, you, you, you know what, Jasmine, I can attest to that. Cause I walk around looking at books and I'm like, God, it looks like a three-year-old wrote this. This is horrendous. <laughs> I, I, I just want to smack the people. I'm like, you're an adult. How do you not, and how you know, can you not you write know better? What? You know what, though? They they got real good at it. And the six can tell you because 
it's supposed to be done in pen, but they'll do it in pencil. In case it's wrong, they can just erase it and write the correct one. Which in is there. also illegal. Which is really illegal. <laughs> really illegal. Really right. Which you're supposed to write the written in error, sign that off, and then and then rewrite yeah. up. So the, so once we're done with all the corrections, they'll erase the pencil and then they'll write it in pen and the correct one, and then we all sign it. <laughs> but then you get the ones that have like those those carbon copies where you have to like, jive through five copies. And they oh, try to they yes. try to erase the pencil marks, and they just end up tearing all five copies. Oh, or or God. even yeah, or yeah. even worse is they they write trash like real shitty, and then it doesn't transcribe to all five copies. And you're like, it it really looks like you're trying to read the how <laughs> how King Tut had his birthday, and then you, you then you go to the other four copies. Like, what the fuck does that say? Or Hieroglyphics. You get, or you get the, yeah. Then you get a crap. So not only do you get bad penmanship, but then it says. Uh, removed fuel control. Why? 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 For what? Oh, why? For what exactly. Yeah, but why did you remove exactly. the fuel control? I don't know. Like now, I just got a bird sitting out there missing a fuel. I removed it because I was bored. I don't know. You know. Like I, now, I'm <laughs> yeah. playing the guessing game. Right. I I always tell. So like in the in in the FAA realm, a lot of your books or, uh, or your write ups, I always tell people. I said, put the most information you can. I said, kill it with information. Leave it to where nobody can ask you questions because all the information is there. Remove part number serial, serial number. Install part number serial number. Even if it's the same component, remove part number serial number to, to let's say you had to pull the fuel control to replace the accessory gearbox seal because it was leaking. So yeah. remove it to replace seal and then seal replaced in accordance with whatever and then reinstalled fuel control part number serial number, same ones in accordance with or and then you know, reinstalled and then uh follow-on checks completed satisfactory all work completed in accordance with but whatever, they're so lazy they, they, like they copy and paste everything and sometimes like the corrective action reads the same exact thing that the freaking you know um, the discrepancy it was yeah, yes it, exactly yeah like did you mm-hmm. do anything like what or the worst ones I get is where they they just put the action and then it, then their their corrective action is completely different from the from the problem like removed number one part X and then installed number two part Y like wait a minute where did Y come from it, it doesn't match <laughs> yeah it it doesn't make any sense it's like D- D- I don't I don't understand what did you do what just happened or they say remove panel panel number whatever and then the the corrective action says. Remove uh, replacement of solenoid so and so completed all work component and you're like hold on I feel like that should be a couple of write ups there like you, the write up said you just removed the panel I didn't know you were d- replacing a solenoid like I feel like there should have been more my more favorite ones the are the my favorite <laughs> ones are the foams oh, everyone boy. wants to like oh, yeah. foam everything and I'm just like but why but Wait, why what did are you foaming it like yeah where are you wh- for what. What oh, are you yeah. remove remove can. such and such component oh. to farm. What's it, what the hell? What the hell is the other farm? Cans, farm for cans. Yeah. Oh, I bet, I bet it, those are. Uh, I bet those are very frequent. Oh yeah. The cans, oh, the farm for cans. Oh cans. my god. Okay. And then everything gets lost in translation. Like, where did this go? Oh, we farmed it to can this, and I'm just like, yeah, but you can't use the farm for the can. Like, what are you doing? But then, but then you <laughs> farm the can so much that it, that you actually get to sign off the original farm the can with the original part because it made its way back around uh happens <laughs> oh a lot God. a lot so here's my number one pet peeve when it comes to documentation and logs and records other than the fact that they wrote it up stupid is that they never signed it off that oh my is God. my oh, number yeah, one yeah, yeah. documentation thing i absolutely hate because what's worse than having to perform maintenance that you don't want to do or you have to do is that you didn't sign it off and then we have to do it all over again because there's no yeah. proof that you did it yeah exactly oh and you know another thing i like to um it, it's so funny because you're talking about like not signing things off they they want to just come in there and like hey can you delete this work order or can you delete this map I'll make it look like it never happened i'm like why did you even cut it in the first place like yeah, what like what, what was the generation why there had to exactly. be a reason it was generated they're like no can you just uh, make it go away we never cut this map no you did cut it and you did remove that part yeah <laughs> and even when we delete it there's a log saying that we deleted it there's a there has to be a reason right and that's probably under the nalcomas thing same thing with like the electronic documentation systems in the private private realm if you try to delete it if I go back in and look at that work order under the computer system, I'll see that you deleted it. And I'm going to go, what? Yes, why did you delete yes, it? The work, the, work, yeah. the work order had that job listed. Why did you delete it? Well, it turns out that it was fine. I'm like, okay, so you could say you performed 
you know, there was a discrepancy here, perform the associated ops checks in accordance with this, and, and no discrepancies noted, sign it off. Like, yeah, come on. Or, or write it off as discrepancy <laughs> yeah. written in error, you know, something. Yeah, discrepancy yeah. fucked up, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd rather do that than just delete it. Because like you said, there is in our UMA system, what we call is a work audit trail, and that lists everything that was deleted with a reason why. Yeah, so, yeah because that's, that's, those, are, uh, those are auditable uh, items as well. Yes. And then they do. And that's part of my program checklist whenever I am getting inspected. You know, though, there's like if there's a high number of deletion of work orders, they'll ask like, hey, why are the there's so many deletions? Like, why are they not performing? Like, you know, he's like, oh, the quals should know that whenever you cut a work order, you know, there's this training that you need to be performing so that they don't keep doing this because it just looks like you guys are doing everything wrong. And when there's so many deletions, it almost looks like you don't know what's going on. Or you're exactly. trying to cover up something. Or you're trying to cover up <laughs> something. It just looks, it looks ridiculous. Like it either one, somebody's going to go, who the hell's running the show here? They obviously don't know what's happening with their own fleet. And then the first thing they do is, oh, can you print that for me? And they'll go to control. Yep. Yep. Or so, so here's what, so that, that's with the electronic side piece, right? Like everything you do, whether you try to backtrack it or backdate it, it's going to have a timestamp of the time you did it, right? So oh, like, yes. oh, perform this inspection or perform this action three months ago. And then, so, and then you see the timestamp of when they did it. Oh, but it says you did it today. How did you do something three months ago when you did it today? And that's just the electronic standpoint. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. I, I forgot, totally forgot all about that six. Cause that also catches people Again, in the in the private realm, people say, "Oh no, I took care of that," and you're like, "No, you didn't." Like, yeah. There's no, there's no so, record of it, so and you're like, and you're like, and then all of a sudden they come back in, "Yeah, I did," and you're like, "When did you do it?" Exactly when I told you. All right, let's look at the timestamp. You did it 15 minutes ago, you son of a. It's a little bit of a logs and records insight on that. Um, so they'll come in there and they'll be like, "Hey, um, can you undo this remove block for me?" And I'm just like, every time I undo a remove block for you, it makes an entry in the log set that says that you removed it and installed it and uninstalled it and all of that. Um, and I was like, okay, so let's do this, sign it off as a, you know, like whatever removal only. And I'll go in there and I'll make the removal manually myself. So that way I can input whatever time I want. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. 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 I get you. So, so that crazy. way it looks like we did it, you know, like when it was supposed to be done, because there are certain things like, like messages come out or like TDs or, you know, stuff like that. They'll be like, Oh, you comply within 30 days. And then like 60 days go by and no one's complied with it. So I'll go in there and I'll make an entry and I'll just backdate it for before. <laughs> <laughs> now, now this is all the electronic stuff, right? Like the databases, like uh, corridor, Ultramain, uh, Nalcomis, Uma, uh, uh, which is uh, IMDS for the Air Force guys. Now this yeah. is all fine and dandy because it's so nice and convenient. Like it's like one note for aircraft maintenance, but Jurassic Park happens where everything turns off and everything shuts down and then all the dinosaurs get loose. And now everybody loses their damn minds because they've never dealt with a situation where the system crashes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh. So yes. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that the military has a, better grasp on that and has a ha, okay <laughs> <laughs> tell us more all right good so i got the reaction i was expecting because uh, i i know for a fact that they don't have that in a lot of cases okay. <laughs> go ahead this is the hate oh my gosh it's it's just the funniest thing because they want to say like oh we have a tracker for this and then this is where we're going to write all of the you know like the the mcns for the work orders and, and i'm just like you do realize that you guys are still going to do whatever you want, right? And then they'll just half fill out the, the paperwork order. And I'm just like, you guys are so used to having the computer do everything for you that you don't know what goes on these documents, you know? And they're like, well, we're going to backfit it anyway. So if we just fill out what's important, that's all that matters. Like, what? No, <laughs> no, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, like, why aren't you running this paper book in tandem with the actual doc the computer system? Yeah, uh, because exactly. that's Speaking extra of, work and it's Friday yeah. and I don't want to do it. Exactly. And then the the part that kills me the most is, is like, it's not just work orders, you know, it's also um like NASLIR data, like pilots are the worst. They don't know how to oh, fill out yeah. paper, paper flight logs. Like, like, sir, oh. you, you should have been taught this. Right. You'll be sitting in a debrief and they'll be listing off a, a rap sheet of discrepancies against the aircraft and then uh and then you go and so the, you're like all right great and so then control cuts a math and says all right go work these things and then they go to the book and like hey man like six of the six of the ten things aren't written up already exactly and you know that's that was a 
that was a mistake we used to keep making. Like we would have the pilots initiate these work orders and we're just like, no, let's just stop because again, it goes back to the deleting maps. I was like, we're already deleting duplicates because this was already written up. He should have just asked. Right. Or he or he he didn't even review the logbook prior to flight like he's supposed to because he would have seen those discrepancies (laughs) already in there, you know. Exactly. Or here's another one. Like they say the plane's fine. Everything's great. Code one, green light. Everything's fine. So we're thinking, okay, everything's great. Move on to the next go. And then he remembers something and comes back and writes it up. That's a doubt that downs that plane. And we're thinking everything's gravy. We go to certify this plane is safe for flight. And then we see this big fat red X in the blog book. Like, whoa, when the, uh, when the hell did this happen? Yeah. When did this, so yeah. you look in the system, when did this get written up, written up four hours after the flight. And so you get a hold of the air crew and you're like, what the hell you didn't? Oh, well, I forgot about it. And then when I got home that night and I was laying in bed, I started thinking about it. I, I was like, Oh, that's right. It. So like, I logged oh, in real counts. quick and, 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 descri- and wrote up the script. Yeah. But you didn't notify <laughs> anybody. You just wrote, well, I wrote it up and they look at you like, that's good enough. I wrote it up. At least I wrote it up. And you're like, no, you got to notify somebody. Tell somebody because so we can fix the thing. Because now I got to now I got to scrub your flight because you're a jackass. You know, <laughs> it's not like one of those soap operas where you give us the plot twist mid season. You know, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's, especially when we have to pack up and go to like remote locations and, and six oh to nine. God, you know, yes. we've been yeah, to okay, the PTA so, is what we're going to call it. The PTA. So, so give me give me your uh, since you've dealt with both paper and computer systems and then had to deploy with those to places where there's no internet. So how does that work? Because um, I've been looking into doing a similar thing, but on the civilian side and it's just, well, there's too many hands in it for one thing, but how does that work? Right? So when you don't have, how does the system get updated properly when you don't have an internet connection? Cause there's usually a main database back stateside. That, so it goes back to that that tracker, that log, um, where you have like all the control numbers for the work orders that you cut. Um, there are certain work orders though that you cannot backfit and put in the system. You know, like technical directives or or special inspections and stuff like that. So whenever they do sign anything off that cannot be backfitted, I do rely on those paper work orders to tell me what to put in there. And it, it's a lot of work on my end because I'm going to have to go in there and manually move things around, complete tasks and make entries to say like, Hey, you know, this was completed on such and such date um, during downtime or whatever. But the most difficult part about going to these places and it's one carrying the server because it's heavy as fuck. And two, um, having to set all of this up, but it, it doesn't happen in the time that they want it to happen. You know, they're like, okay, we want to get there and we want to launch these planes to get this mission done. And I'm like, dude, it's yeah. going to take me a couple hours to get everything up and running. They're like, oh, we'll just, we'll just green map it is what they call it. Uh, t- typical um, leadership uh, underbidding, underbidding the times it takes to do things, right? You, right. you Okay. We're going to do a site setup. Nobody's been there before. We're going to do a site setup, but we expect to have the planes uh, flying within 12 hours of being there. Which but happened. the thing that and, bothers me is no one and, knows the condition of the site. So I have to sure. do a survey when I get there to yep. figure out how long it's going to be. Exactly. But but they've already projected to uh, Washington that within 12 hours, they'll have birds in the air. And so because they gave a superior that number, by God, you're going to beat that number. And you're like, did you, you didn't ask my opinion, though. It's going to take me it's going to take me at least four hours to do the site survey. Another four after that to get the computers up and, and running. While the while That's the maintainers why. are putting the birds together, and then I got to do all the paperwork for the assembly of this thing, and then That's all the pre-flight stuff. Logs and records just... advocate. No, logs and records does not get as much credit as they deserve because absolutely. the no, that we have not. to put absolutely up with not. is astonishing. They do not take into consideration how long things take to you know get done. Right. Yeah. And no. then going and then tying all this back to like setting up the site and all that. So you get all these actions that led up to before you guys got the server or the system or the logs and records online. So there's a bunch of stuff that got done already, like the flight, the post-flight, the pre-flight, uh, whatever uh, other inspections that popped during that time. And it's all going to be paper copies. And by the time the system does come up, you know, you're it's trying to look like everything is down. Yeah. You're, so you're going to look at their, they're, they're going to try to break out the Rosetta stone to transcribe their, their Yu-Gi-Oh hieroglyphs. And like, what the f- what does all this say? But what does this but mean? You know, <laughs> you know what's up to another headache that ties into this being in remote locations. It's like they'll give you a roster of everyone that's supposed to go, and like, okay, well, I have these these personnel accounts. They'll be able to sign things off based off of the list that you gave me. So I put all of those guys on the server too. And then when we get there and everything's up and running, oh, such and such needs to sign off a map, but we don't have their account. 
well, was he on the roster that you gave me? How am I supposed to know? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Get, Cause everybody has their own specific qualifications and, and exactly. cert, cert levels that allows them to do or sign off certain things. I, yeah. I yeah. Get it. And they're I like, know, well, can't you, can you just create him another account? And, and then he'll just sign it off real quick so we can launch this fight. Like, no, that's not no, how it absolutely works. not. Get someone else to do it. <laughs> now, have you, now I, I know when I was, uh, deployed and I, um, was filling a documentation type role when we did a site setup you know we did have the planes i, w- I was filling out the pre-flight paperwork as well as the post-flight pl- paperwork after the plane had already flown <laughs> like that yeah you know, get it up in the air it's got to do this mission but again with getting servers and everything set up by the time you got that set up the, the it already went out on its mission and came back and you're just trying to get everything caught up for the next the next takeoff event see the right know? thing yeah. to do the right thing would have done you should have done was this thing ain't going anywhere until all this shit is caught up because if this thing wrecks every single thing we've done and everything we've logged it gets locked away and gets sent for to the investigation team and, and that's, that's all that's exactly our what i said earlier sure, that's but the they, same thing but also your higher ups in the deployed look i i get i guess in the deployed location i see i i can i can see the bigger picture enough i know it's wrong but i see the bigger picture of hey this thing's gotten to get in the air because there's troops on the ground 50 miles away that are that are getting pummeled and they need exactly. some air. They need some air exactly. support. So, and from that fine. aspect, I get it. Stateside, no, no. This thing ain't. This thing ain't going wheels up until all not this is tra- done. Not for training. Heck, no for training. Sorry, yeah. sorry, not sorry. But, but, in a, but in a deployed location, I'm air quoting here. I get it, but it's still it's still wrong. You know, from the documentation standpoint. But I understand why it happened. Yeah. Right. If it can save, if it can save some troops, I'm all for it. We'll figure it out. You know. Yeah, and then, but if and we then, have the time, there's no need to cut the corners. But that's exactly right, and and more often than not, there is the time. There is the yeah. time. In my instance that I just spoke about, saying that I was filling out pre-flight and post-flight paperwork during the post-flight, we, there was definite time to do all that stuff. I think it's just because a superior told their superior in Washington that we would have it done by this time, and they're not. They came to us and said, "I'm not going to look like a fool." you'll make me look good. And that's, and you know, it goes back to that political game and that's, and that's exactly what happens. I do give a lot of props to, you know, like that AMO or that leader that's in charge of the maintenance department that, you know, they'll give you the time. Like they understand that, Hey, I don't care how long it takes you as long as you do it. Right. That's all that matters to me. Um, But then you have other guys that just want to look good and get it done. Yeah. So you got the ones who know what the job is, know what it required to get done and do it correctly and have their people do it safely. So you and you they go and they go to leadership and say, no, you'll get it when you get it to look out for their their own crew. And, you know, it's and you're like, are you sure, sir? Like we can get, you know, we'll do whatever we got. No, no, no. We're going to do it the right way, but you'll get chewed out. Yeah. But I've been chewed out before. You know, it's like that inglorious bastards moment. Yeah, Yeah. But I've been chewed out before. So it's fine. I mean, you know, that can also mean the difference when from skipping records, you know, that could save or take someone's life, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. The problem, though, like it, everything is always man is admin's fault, is always logs and records fault. If it's good to go on time, no one says thanks, man is admin, you know? But if it's waiting on something, and like he said, 80% of it is paperwork, it's always logs and records. Oh, we're waiting on this. Oh, we're waiting on that. And everybody looks at me and says, I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, I got you though. I got, I got your back on that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wouldn't that, wouldn't control take the major hit for that since they're, they're ones doing the, the, the maintenance planning in a nutshell. Yes. But you know, like all things, big wig, they're very good at directing or redirecting blame. Oh yeah. The yes. Master deflectors drives me insane. So to, t- to tie a lot of this back, you know, the documentation portion of anything, aviation or even any major technical field, if the paperwork, the, the paperwork is kind of like taking a shit. It's not done until the paperwork's finished. Until it wipes white, it's not finished. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because that is your your trail of everything that happened, because God forbid something negative happens during the flight and that bird goes down. I mean, the paperwork's the first thing they go to. They go to the paperwork first. And go, who, signed, who's, who signed off? Who signed off the pre-flight? Hey, we um, need yep. to talk to you. Oh, oh God. You know, and that I, is, that was one of the scariest things um, that I've ever had to do. Like I said, I was in maintenance control for a while and having to save those planes was nerve wracking every single time because you have to look at every single discrepancy that's on that workload and yeah. you have to make that decision whether that's going to be detrimental to the flight or not, you know? So once you put that safer flight signature in there, like that's your name. Yeah, and you're not just looking for uh, you're not just looking for open red X's. I mean, you got to see if there's 
possibly operational checks that are outstanding in there that have to be signed off prior prior to flight because those components or are used. discrepancies that were flagged incorrectly like sometimes they'll cut oh, things yeah. as partial when they were downers to begin with right yeah and in in that just shows like just how important a lot of this stuff is and not just you know the the most severe of it where uh, accidents can happen but also to like you know the time wasted because if you haven't signed off anything you're gonna have to repeat it because you can't prove that you did it yeah sure everything's all buttoned up or whatnot but Who's to say you never did it in the first place? You know? Exactly. I mean, in the civilian side, I've watched, like, talking about the negative repercussions of not filling out your paperwork correctly. I was on a ramp once working, and there was a guy on an aircraft next to the one I was working, and he got spot-checked by the local uh, FISDO, the local FAA inspector, and comes up and says, hey, what are you working on today? Oh, I'm doing this. Cool. Can I, you know, and the guy shows him his work order, and Okay, and here's that. And the guy says, All right, can I see your logbook? And he's like, Oh, you, so I see you've got all these things done. The FA inspector, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, Okay, that's great. I'm just going to take a look at the logbook. Well, you're supposed to be signing off uh, your work as you go. So you do the job, you sign it off. You go into the next job, do it, sign it off. A lot of people, and I'm guilty of it myself, you'll go out and you'll work the entire math or work order, and then you'll do all the paperwork at one time. And in the FAA's eyes, it's like, Well, no, you should be. So the, the guy had not done that he just kept working and working and was going to do the paperwork at the end and the fa inspector said, please see your license you know yeah sure and he takes out and the fa inspector cuts it in half on the line and says please exit the oh, ramp shit. please <laughs> exit the ramp back and that guy will never never able to get that license back again that is so crazy and that just shows you know like just how important all this stuff is you know so to tie everything back and put everything in perspective like the paperwork side of the house no one likes to do it and everyone who has to do it hates the people who totally do it wrong and fuck it all up but it's just one of those things that you just have to do and you and if you're gonna do it you might as well do it right because let, let's take this into another perspective let's say the paperwork has something to do with a murderer getting loose and you didn't write the paperwork correctly that person's walking skate free to do it yet again you know that freaking reminds me of six do you remember um can't he, say he I was do. he was at scarface so this couldn't be trusted with a fucking broomstick like i'm telling you like you would tell him to do something and he'll just go and pencil whip everything and sign it and say he did it just so that he could get done and you're like oh make this entry on this card for this plane and he'll go and make it on the wrong plane and like he was just one of those people that you had to watch with a magnifying glass because he oh, couldn't do anything right ever right? i ran yeah. into a situation like that too we did a, an ops check the night before on a component that was going to be used for a test flight the next day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, right. You know, doing the, you know, doing the checks during the flight the next day, the component kept failing over and over to come back and they opened the panel and the electrical connector was off the component. So it was never going to work anyways. <laughs> and they go, what, how, like we, we did the object last night and this book was safe for maintenance by, you know, by the maintainers, and said it was good to go for flight. So went through the investigation, opened the panel, found it was disconnected, went to the guy who did the ops check and said, hey, what happened? How did you pass the ops check? We found this thing disconnected. Oh, um, I just signed it off as being done. I didn't actually do it. Exactly. You, exactly. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and, and, and they did. They escorted the guy out that day. And I was like, oh, finally, like, they let somebody go for doing something ignorant like that. Cause there's so many times like, well, don't do it again. You cause us a lot of money and they put their hands on their hips and look at them a discerning way. And then they walk away and nothing ever happens to those people. But finally it was like one of those karma, karma happened the same time. Like oh, retribution. Finally. Got him. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> You're 10 years in. Are you, are you looking to go the full uh, 20? Or are you going to do 15? Like six did what you, you know, know do- what? I don't, right now i'm kind of at a crossroads um i'm kind of just waiting to get this master's degree done and my goal is to finish it by 12. if i do finish it in time i think i'm just going to call it quits um i am a little bit tired i'm not going to lie and not physically but just mentally oh. because of all the bs you know and talking with six i i i can imagine <laughs> yeah so i i am a little bit tired um but i do love this job so i've I've considered doing it as a civilian. Um, so, I like okay. what I do. That, that was going to be my next. That was going to be my next question. On the once you get out and you become a gross and disgusting civilian like the rest of us. 
<laughs> um, will you continue a documentation career? And, and, you know, if so, have you looked into a place you'd like to go for that? A certain, would it, you know, so um, luckily enough, here at Cherry Point, they have the FRC site where it's just like mainly civilians and they do everything that we do, you know, except uh-huh. they don't have to wear the uniform. Um, sure. I also considering the fact that I am going to be getting out, money is going to be a factor. So if it's going to be paying well, then yes, I'll consider it. But if it's not going to make much of a difference or, you know, then I'm probably just going to go on and pursue whatever career I did my degree in. Sure. Now, um you know, do you want to stay in North Carolina? Are you willing to move anywhere? Do you want to go back to New York? You know, I, absolutely I'm from, not. <laughs> I'm from rural America, so I never grew up. I've been through to New York several times um, as a tourist and a couple of times for work. No, um, I do not want to go back to New York. Being in the city is rough, and I am a mom of two. That's not a place where I see myself raising children. Um, North Carolina is beautiful. I've had the opportunity to like travel inward and then check other cities. You know, like Charlotte and Greensboro. And, and they're beautiful. I wouldn't mind staying here. Is it Huntersville, which is just a little bit north of yes. um, of Charlotte? So in that area is all the NASCAR teams, and that's where like their home bases are at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a an airport there, and that's where all the NASCAR teams keep their private jets. So I would suggest you could look there. I think in Raleigh Durham is Honda Jet. So you could also look into those if you're if you want to stay in the North Carolina area because I, I love North I Carolina do. too, and I think it's beautiful. So those are some options to look look through there and I can help you out with, uh, I have a lot of connections, at least on the civilian side, and I can kind of help get you in the right direction if you need it. With all your degrees, degrees, I doubt it. I'll be asking you for help. Yo, Jasmine, Jasmine, closing thoughts about uh, today. You know what? I think like at the end of the day, there are things that, that you can cut corners on, like I said earlier, but then there are other things that you, you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't have to, um, paperwork does suck, but paperwork is what runs the game in my opinion. Um, and as much as credit we don't get, um, I think that the job is really, really important. And without us, you know, I don't think there would be a a process in place that would actually work for anybody. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And think it's kind of like the same sense, like, well, who puts the criminals away? Is it the police or is it the lawyers? You know, it's the paperwork, man. Absolutely. All right. MVP, you got anything for us? Uh, Jasmine, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. Uh, it was great Thank talking you with you. Thank you for all the information. Uh, you're, you're, you're impressive. Your rap sheet, everything you've accomplished. It's, it's pretty inspiring. And, uh, and I hope I can uh, get to them levels one day, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm just here to inspire people. <laughs> Absolutely. You're very much an inspiration. And you're doing it. And I hope a lot of our, our listeners out there are, are inspired as well, because it's not easy. It's not easy to be a mother of two, still be active duty, to still have to deploy, to get your certifications and all your degrees. Like that's, I don't know, I don't know when you sleep, but man, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, for real. <laughs> You know, Marines, not just Marines, women Marines too. Look at that. That That's an inspiration right there. I'm inspired. I'm going to re-enlist again. Heck, why? Why not? <laughs> why not? All right. So for today, we also I also want to thank our patron supporters to making this show possible. Erica Lamont, Mike Diltz, Thomas Conley, Laura Manns, Ryan Freshour. You guys are awesome. Thank you for continuing to support us. And Jasmine, especially thank you for giving us the honor and privilege of gracing us with your presence on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And if you want to come again, more than happy to. Uh, if, for all those of you listening to the show, you can check out our merch at cancelformaintenance.com. Support veteran-owned. All our stuff is produced and supported by veteran uh, businesses. We also like for you to like, share, and subscribe our podcast. Uh, if you like our show, support us on Patreon on patreon.com slash cancel for maintenance your patronage and support allows us to keep on making episodes bring on guests like jasmine here keeps the gremlins from sabotaging our gear and also keeps shoreline happy and proud to keep on making the show for us thank you everybody honestly seriously thanks thanks